He's Howard Eibach, a former copywriter and creative director and the author of two books on the creative brief. And he's Henry Gomez, an ad agency strategist with 27 years of experience. Together, we're the Brief Brothers. We love talking about creative briefs, briefing, and advertising. We're back for another episode, Henry. Today, we're going to go back to the drawing board of fundamentals, nuts and bolts. We've talked in the past about your stress test that you put a creative brief through once you've written it. Let's back up and talk about some of the advice that you could give to, I would say, young as well as experienced brief writers on what you think about and what you do to prep before you ever put your fingers to the keyboard or pen to the paper to write your brief. What are some things that you go through before you even start? So it's interesting when you first brought up this topic to me, I, what I did was I, in my mind, I went back five years to when I got hired at the current agency I'm at and went back and revisited some of the steps that I took as a new hire before I was asked to ever write a single brief. Um, And I think it's good because this situation happens when you get hired at a new agency, when you land a new account, um, when you get transferred from one account to another, there's, I think, some things that you can do to get yourself up to speed to build your knowledge base so that you can start having some working assumptions and, and some ideas um, before you're ever, ever even tasked with writing a brief. Or perhaps you are tasked with writing a brief, but before you sit down try to start filling out the, the boxes on the form, um, there's there's a few things that, that you can do. So in my case, I got hired at Zuby. Zuby's been, had been at that time doing the Hispanic advertising for the Ford Motor Company for over 20 years. And so Ford is a company with a 120 year track record. And one of the first things I did was I bought a couple of books on Amazon about Ford and its history, because to me, and if you go back to like Ritson and the way he approaches brand management, you really got to know the history of a brand in order to chart a future direction for the brand. It's nice to know where you've been so that there's a coherent place that you're going. So, um, you know, obviously Wikipedia and Google are, are your friends, but also Amazon and, and depending on the brand, like if it's a new brand, it's not going to have that same history or the same amount of history that a brand like the Ford Motor Company has. But that was um, one of the first steps that I took. Um, so that's kind of like looking back at history. Um, the other part is current news um what's going on with the brand now and you know you can do things like um look at annual reports um that usually have you know they have all the financials in there but there's usually some narrative there about what has happened in the past year what the future goals of the company are and along with uh annual reports there's also investor conference calls so like most big public companies um have an like if you go to their main website and you scroll down to the bottom or you look around you search there's a a parallel website for investors sometimes it's investors.whatever.com and you go there and that's where all like the 10k documents and uh and all the 1040s and all the publicly available information about uh, the finances of the company are there but also you'll see the schedule for investor phone calls quarterly investor uh, conference calls and usually archived investor conference calls. And again, those are great because you get to hear 
the CEO himself usually um, talking about the goals of the company. Now, that's at a 20,000 foot level. The person that you're answering to in the marketing department might be several um, steps below, but somehow is being influenced by that um, CEO and that, that vision, even if that client that you're directly reporting to doesn't listen to these investor calls, you're going to be smarter for having listened mm-hmm. to them. And you're going to be able to speak the lingo that's being spoken inside. Um, the you know, let me let me just interject before you go on with your list, because some of these things are truly relevant for marketers. You know, you work in the ad agency world. I mostly train marketers when I do my workshops for the ANA. And marketers who are charged with writing briefs need to do these same things. So let me just emphasize that knowing the history of your brand is vitally important. I think it's easier for them to be aware of what's going on today. But I've encountered many marketers who are simply ignorant of their brand's history, anything that predates their arrival at the company. It surprises me how often that happens. So that's a really good point we should emphasize for marketers as well. Yeah, you know, I've always been a history buff. So Mm -hmm. for me, it's second nature. It's like, I want to know, like, how did this thing come about? How did it become popular? Um, You know, a brand like the Ford Motor Company is a treasure trove, right? Like this, it's been so intertwined with American culture, um, the 20th century, World War II, um, the design of Jeeps and mail trucks. Like there's so many different ways that the company has affected the country and been affected by the country that for me, it's, it's pleasurable to to do all of this research. Now, not every brand is like that, but you definitely want to get a sense of where where the brand has been, who the founders were, what they believed in, because a lot of times what made a brand great at one time can make the brand great again if it's Mm -hmm. just presented in a different um, way, in a modern way, uh, and, you know, in a coherent way to what consumers already think about the brand. So another thing that, you know, more recently um, has been a phenomenon is social media. So getting on social media and looking at what the brand has put out there, but also what people are saying about the brand um, is to me really important because you get a sense of like whether people are satisfied or dissatisfied, what they're specifically dissatisfied about, understanding that like anything, um, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. So a lot of complainers out there complaining about, you know, their Uber Eats got their cold or whatever. But, you know, you have to take that with a grain of salt, but you can definitely learn something uh, through social media. And then, of course, there's like the traditional research. You don't necessarily have to commission. It probably has already been commissioned. It might be five years old, but it's a good place to start is like to know where where the brand was and I'm talking about you know quantitative research like surveys um the qualitative research like focus groups and and ethnographies and one-on-one interviews and then whatever the syndicated data if you if your agency subscribes to syndicated data that's a great uh place to start and kind of educate yourself even when there's no brief to be written you want to know certain things like who's buying this product you know what are they what's how are they different from people that aren't buying the product um what's the gender breakdown what's their median household income things like that that you can get in in syndicated data you know Um, let me just add add to that uh back in the day when people used to write letters snail mail 
Occasionally, the ones who were really upset would write in a letter and the PR department would kind of hang on to those. The equivalent today is they go on to social media, like you said, but also maybe less frequently, they send emails into the company because there is a way to do that. And I've done training where I have heard from marketers who said, you know, I got an email from one of our, our customers who, who bought our product. And this particular customer had some laudable things to say and asked me if I thought that was relevant for either their brief or for the creatives. I said, absolutely. Especially if, if they're complaining about something legitimate or saying something positive about the, about the product. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's, it's another maybe less used, but email, emails to the company are, people don't take the time to do that. The ones who do have got something important to say. Yeah, they're either the really, really disappointed because right. something, and, and I think that's the difference between like, oh, I'm just going to go on Twitter and, and, you know, torch X brand because I didn't right. like whatever happened uh, or sitting down and saying, listen, this on such and such a day, I walked into your store. This is what happened. And, and, you know, in fact, it's funny. I, I have a story. I had a pharmacy client years ago and they had just acquired, uh, uh, they had acquired Ecker drug uh, here in, in Florida. And that's how I got involved because they were launching into their first really big Hispanic market. And, and so CVS, they acquired Eckerd drug and Eckerd drug had become for all intents and purposes, the store of last resort for people. Mm. Um, the prices were really high. It was like a convenience store pricing model. Right. Um, uh, and customer service was horrible. If you needed a prescription, um, they would never call you to let you know it was ready. You'd show up. It wouldn't be ready. Um, a lot of waiting around. It was, it was terrible. And then uh, CVS acquired them. And part of their takeover was we're going to have a whole new pricing strategy. You know, we're going to make prices accessible. So you'll come here more frequently, not just when all the grocery stores are closed um, or all the other alternatives are closed. Um, and we're going to have prescriptions within an hour. And we're going to, but, you know, there's a transition there. Uh, and so at one point I had a, to have a surgery and I went straight from the hospital to the pharmacy to fill my prescription for the painkillers and the antibiotics and all that. And I remember like the, the person at the, at the pharmacy desk, she didn't even, she was sitting in a chair, which they're not even supposed to have chairs back there. She's sitting in a chair. She didn't even get up. Um, I gave her the prescription. She looked at it and she's like, we don't have this. And she just like gave it back to me. And, you know, instead of, you know, there's another CVS 10 blocks away, she could have said, let me call over there and see, like, you know, she sees like, I'm, I'm, I'm basically limping in. Um, and, and so I wrote an email, I ended up getting a big gift basket. Um, of course, I had a line into executives there, because I was working on the account. <laughs> but, but it was just, it kind of gave them a, a, a view into what was really going on in the field yeah. that not everything that they were training had had yet stuck. Um, with the new CVS, but I'm happy to report, you know, they're really strong down here. And, you know, ultimately, you know, all of those operational things that were real trouble with Eckerd went away, but that's a digress, but you're right. It, it, I thought about that because I wrote a long email. When you sit down yeah. and say, this is what happened on such and such a day at such and such a store, like this person isn't, doesn't have any reason to fib on that like they they want yeah, to it's usually it's usually the extremes i love what you did someone went out of their way for me or i was treated like dirt which is interesting because what, you, what uh, 
the Chick-fil-A campaign that's running right now, a lot of it is those love stories from consumers that said mm. this crew member from Chick-fil-A went out of their way to, I, I dropped something in the drive-thru, but the guy recognized me and he held it till the next time I came through the drive-thru and he gave it to me. I, I've mm. seen stories like that. Um, and, you know, those are probably you know, mind from the emails that they get at the corporate headquarters. It's a, it's a version of testimonials. Yes. You know, and, and this is valuable, I can get, can't get the word out, valuable information for a brief writer or a marketer who writes briefs. So good stuff. Yeah. And then the um, another thing is to go in the field, right? Mm. And go to the grocery store, look at the aisle where the, the, the competitors are, are and your target brand is. Um, talk to consumers in the aisle of the grocery store or at the car dealership or whatever it is, you know, try the product, sample it. Like if you're at a car dealership, you know, take a test drive, you know, um, I'm telling you off the air, you know, I took a bunch of creatives that had been working on Lincoln to go test drive the Lincoln vehicles. You know, they hadn't done it and they had been working yeah. on it for a couple of years. So it's good to get a, a, a feel for like, Oh, I, I've heard, I know all the promises that the brand makes, but I've never really seen them fulfilled in the product because I've never really sampled the product. So having a good working understanding of, of the product and its different line extensions and so forth is, is a good thing. And then the last thing, and it kind of alludes to that email and the social media listening, but it's also internal in the agency is to have your ears open because there are people on the account team that maybe have been working on the brand for a long time, uh, or they have some particular valuable insight. Some creatives might have a specific thing that they think, and they've never had an audience of somebody that would listen to them and say, here's what I think about X brand that we're working on together. Nobody's ever asked me, but I've been working on it for two years and this is what I see. So having your kind of your ears open for input from even unlikely places to me is is important. So all of this in a way is just to get up to speed um, with and to do it quickly with a with a brand that you're now going to be working on and at some point going to be writing a creative brief for. You got to listen to the brief brothers because it's one stop shopping for everything you need to know to get a good brief started even before you put pencil to paper. Good stuff, Henry. Good stuff, Howard. He's Henry Gomez. And he's Howard Ibach. And together we're the Brief Brothers. Till next time.